morning, everyone. Everyone feels really close, but yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Uh, it's good to be back, as many people have noted this morning. My attendance has been hit and miss for the last few weeks. Uh, I was only playing golf two of those weekends, and you'd be happy to know that both times I sucked. And so I've learned my lesson never again on a Sunday no, uh, before 11.30. After 11.30, the Lord blesseth thy game. <laughs> but it's good to be back. It's good to be, I don't know, it's just, I don't know if anyone else gets like this, but I miss that, you know, just that, being together, worshipping, singing. Even though me and Susie live together, you would think that we'd planned a lot more about this morning, but I literally told her as we were going to sleep last night what I was talking about. And everything we just did fit so well. So there's clearly something else happening in that. Um, but it's good to be back. It's good to be talking uh, this week on Old Testament stories. Nate started this series last week. Uh, and as a church, we've looked at some of these before, um, some Old Testament stories. And what I love about the Old Testament is it it helps us to give a uh, to understand better or understand, I say rounder, the nature of God, right? Because we, we never truly understand it, but it helps to give us more insight into what that looks like. And, and we get to learn about some old school characters and old school stories that are the foundations of our faith in a way. And so it's good to explore that uh, shallowly, but also deeply. So this morning we're talking about 1 Kings uh, chapter 18. Navy's on board. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to read a fair chunk of it. So strap in, but not yet. It's all right, everybody. I I wanted to just bring a little bit of uh, maybe context to where we are in the story. And I know Nath did this last week, and I I think it's really important because as Nath also said, we we can just pick up a story and read it. And we can take something away from it that really has nothing to do with the story in the first place, right? A lot, of, a lot of these stories relies on you knowing a little bit of what's happening in that context. So we're going to start right at the start. Adam and Eve were there. No, okay. <laughs> and then there was... So, okay. <laughs> the Israelites, right? God's chosen people. Starting as early back as Abraham, and then we flow through. And, and even if you haven't been around church for a long time, I'm sure you've heard some of the, the key point stories, right? The earlier stories of Abraham and, and Isaac, and then Jacob, who, who had the 12 sons and, and produced the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, the people that God said would bless all the nations. Through Israel, I will bless the world. And so we, we have Israel, and then we get into Moses and the, their captivity in Egypt, which leads to the Exodus, which leads to them wandering for 40 years in the desert. And they arrive in Canaan, and they settle there. We're, we're all sort of aware of that part of the story. And I have to admit, for a really long time, that is where my understanding of the Israelite story sort of ended. Like, you know, Moses is a big deal, and the Exodus wandering for 40 years is a big deal. But then once they settle in Canaan, it's sort of a lot happens and I understand a little bit. And, and so what happens when they land in Canaan is they 
battle a bunch of people, settle well. But remembering that God had set aside Israel to be different from everyone else. But we find as time goes on and, and the longer they spend in the land with people, the more they become just like everyone else. And so God had set Israel aside that he would be king over Israel and that he would lead his people. And, and the more they spend time in Canaan, the more they sort of start to get, well, maybe we need a king so we can be like everyone else. This is a bridge, but this... And so after a while, God begrudgingly, I would believe, appoints a king over Israel. And then we start to get into the kings that we know. King David took over from Saul. And then Solomon, we've all heard of, I'm sure. His son, Rehoboam. And then from there is where it really starts to go downhill for the Israelites, if we're honest. That up until that point, you know, there's been some ups and downs. But from there, it sort of just steadily declines until we arrive in the New Testament. But during the reign of Rehoboam, Maddie likes it, Israel splits into two distinct nations almost. There's southern Israel, Judah, and northern Israel, and, and they have their own kings. And where we land here today is looking in 1 Kings, Ahab is king over northern Israel. And all of this takes place a little bit before Nate's story last week where Nebuchadnezzar is, Babylon's invaded and, and taken Israel captive. Are you with me so far? Good, good. What's important for today's story is to know that Ahab has a wife. And I tell you what, she is a piece of work. <laughs> Jezebel. Imagine being so bad that your name becomes like a, an insult later in life. You Jezebel, right? It's, it's rough. It's rough. So the earlier verses of 1 Kings 18, there's a drought that's come over the land in, in Israel. And, and the drought has lasted three years. And at the time, God's prophet is Elijah. Now, Elijah, God actually foretold of this drought much earlier in, in the Old Testament and said that a dust would fall from the sky to a disobedient Israel. So it's not a, it wasn't a surprise to those who have kept up with, with the scrolls. And so Elijah says to Ahab, this drought's coming. Now Jezebel loves not God. Jezebel is a, a strong follower of this God called Baal, who was understood as the sky God, the God in charge of the weather up there. And so because Jezebel loved Baal, then Ahab also loved Baal and, and actively promoted the worship of Baal over Yahweh. And so for Ahab, for Elijah to come and say the drought is coming, well, Ahab, I'm assuming, would have thought, well, Elijah has upset Baal because he's the sky god who controls the weather. And so if I can track down Elijah, kill him, then Baal will make it rain. That's where we're sort of at. And so he spent three years looking for Elijah. Meanwhile, persecuting the, the, the prophets and the believers of Yahweh at the time. And this is where we land here. Elijah has just revealed himself to, to Ahab and said, Hey, I'm here. I need to, we need to throw down on this mountain. You get all of Elijah. Uh, you get all of Israel. And you bring all of your prophets to Mount 
come on and we'll fight it out there. I am one man, you're a lot, let's see how we go. So we're going to jump in at, at verse 20. I think it'll be on the screen. Thank you, Mark. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different options? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let us choose one bull for ourselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull, and lay it on the wood, on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. All right, so you're with me so far? I just needed to do that because my screen keeps flipping and then I lose myself. So Elijah's called everyone to the top of the mountain. He's called the prophets of Baal, set up some altars, and we'll see what happens. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first. For you are many, and you call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given to them, and they prepared it, and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is musing, or he is relieving himself, or he's on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. There's not a lot of mocking in the Bible, but this is pretty funny. It's good. And at noon, oh, sorry, I don't want to read that again. And they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with swords and lances, until blood gushed out upon them. As midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. There's so much to, to unpack in this story. And I wanted to keep it really simple this morning. And so I'm only going to ask one question. I'm going to, one thing for you to take away because that's easier, right? Keep it simple. But I think some of the wording that Elijah uses here is quite intentional. And so the question I want to ask you today is how long will you go limping between God and the things that we put in God's position in our life? Now, I feel like we talk about this a lot in church, and I know that I think I've preached on it before, and I don't preach that often, so it means it has come up in the last six months. But who also knows that by nature we are, obsessive is the wrong word, but we do it so often. We so often let things slip into that position that God should be in in our life. It's our nature to invest in things. It's our nature to 
to have ownership over things, and, and that is a good thing to have. But, but a hobby or a passion can soon become an obsession quite easily. And it can be hard to sometimes tell where that line is. How long will you go limping between God and the things that you put in the position of God? Limping implying they were lame. There was, there was something missing. How long will you go on half living between one and, and half living between the other? Not fully living to what God wanted you to live, how God wanted you to live. When we look at the, the story of the Israelites and we stand back and we look at it like a COVID graph, because we've all looked at those in the last two years, it, it's up and down, right? It, it ebbs and flows and it really depends on, I don't know, who the leader is at that point as to whether the chosen people of God have God as their God. That's a confusing thing to understand, right? Aside from a... a baseline of prophets and, and devout followers of Yahweh, the majority is, is up and down. Whatever the flavor of the month God is, is who they're invested in at that time. Human nature is so frivolous that Moses was taking too long. They literally knew he was on a mountain talking to God and they got so impatient that they created a new God. It, it sounds ridiculous to say, right? But it's like we do that. We do that. Not just the, the ancient Israelites, but we as humans will often be talking to God one day and then all of a sudden forget He's there. And who knows that it's, it's sometimes good things that, that we put in that position, good things that we would otherwise... Good things that are, are, are good to have in our life, but they're bad gods, right? Like family. A relationship with your family and a relationship with friends is, I think, crucial to a healthy, happy life. To be able to put time and effort into that. But if, if, that, becomes, if that comes before our relationship with God, then our identity is, is tied up in what our family need in that minute. Or what our friends need in, in that minute. And as we just pointed out, people can turn on a dime. You take too long to respond to a text message and all of a sudden you're the worst person or you're the worst friend that's ever spoken to me. <laughs> when, we, when we put friends and family in those relationships before God, our identity is, is tied to something that's frivolous, human nature. Work. Work is a biblical principle. In the first few chapters of the Bible, Adam and Eve had a job. Tend to the garden, tend to the animals. It was good. They contributed to the greater good. I love what I do. Susie was so confused when I was excited to get back from our holiday to go to work. I like what I do. I'm not ashamed to say that. But if I put what I do and my work before God, well then all of a sudden my worth and my value comes from however my boss is feeling that day. doesn't matter how good I do, it's tied up in how they're feeling. Whereas if I put God first, then my worth and my value is as a son of God. It's, it's 
it's from someone that's a known entity, someone who knows the hairs on our head, who loves us, that's never going to change, no matter what I do, no matter how I act. It can be good things, good things for our life, but bad gods. And it can be hard to tell where that line is sometimes. But then there's, there's also just bad things that we put in that position, right? There's no bad things that don't bring glory to God, and so they're not good for our life. And, and just like the prophets of Baal, who ended up cutting themselves, physically injuring themselves to get the sky God to listen to them, that's not the life that God wants us to live. Bad things, bad gods. So we're going to spend some time in, in a bit. I'm not done just yet, so relax. But we're going to spend some time exploring and, and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what those things are in our life. And, and I know that we've all done it before, and, and I encourage you to, even after this morning, continue to do it weekly. There, there's never enough, you could never ask it enough, hey God, reveal to me things that I can improve in myself this week, this day, this hour, however often you want to do it. But before we do that, we're going to finish the story. And Dan's going to come and play, which is great. It's like he knew. It's perfect timing. So we're going to pick up in, in verse 20, uh, verse 30, sorry. Then Elijah said to the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. He repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the, Lord, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar, as great as would contain two seers of seeds, 14 liters. And he put the wood in order and he cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and it filled the trench also. At the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let me know this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water in the trench. And when all the, all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Who knows that it doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter what we've done, how deep into something we are, how long something has been a God in our life. 
God has the power to bring us out of that, right? We spent the series before this talking about how God can change our story. Good story, right? God has the power to change anything in our life. The fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and the water in the trench. God did more than He needed to by by a long shot because He's a powerful God. There's nothing in our life that He can't consume and take away. Doesn't matter how long it's been there. Doesn't matter how long we've relied on it. Nothing's too big for God. So we're going to take just a few minutes this morning to sit. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to you things that are are taking that spot. If it's something that you are praying for your fire from, if it's something in your life where you're expecting the fire to come from that gets you out of bed and, and pushes you to do the next thing, well, then it's not the right thing if it's not God. God brings the fire from heaven to consume the offering and and He brings the fire in our life as well. So let's take a few minutes now and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us. Jesus, um, we thank you that through reading and, and spending time together that we can 
read stories that teach us more about you, God. We thank you that we can together start to understand a little bit more about you and and your nature. And we thank you for that. We just pray that you would continue to reveal to us every day things that we're giving more power than they deserve in our life. Anything that takes you from being our number one priority, Lord, we just pray that you would make that so evident to us. And we pray that we would have the courage and the strength to act on that. We are sons and daughters of you, God. and There's nothing else that really matters. You love us so much and, and we just thank you that you are powerful enough to change whatever the circumstance is. We just pray that as we continue to to search ourselves, even as we go from this place, that you would continue to reveal new things to us daily. That we can strengthen and deepen our relationship with you and that nothing would get in the way of that. We love you and we thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Good, good morning.